0: If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verses 6 through 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. And if you have your Bibles open there, uh, it's pretty quick, not much time. But go ahead and uh, stand up with me if you would, out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Um, Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way, that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us. Beginning in verse 6. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit Oh, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds today to receive your word. And God, I pray we would be changed by it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What do you think about when you think about God? What immediately comes to your mind? For many of us, immediately we begin to think of God as unknowable. God as distant. God perhaps for some of us as far from us. Indeed, God is majestic. He he is other than us. There's a majesty and glory to God that lets us know He is wholly other than us. He is not the same as us. We can't see God. We can't touch God. There's unquestionably a distance there. Theologians call this God's transcendence. God is transcendent. But what I want you to remind of when you think about God, what I want to remind you of is that the Bible also calls God our very present help in time of trouble. Uh, The Bible calls God our refuge, our strength. The the Bible tells us that there is nowhere we can go where we could flee from the presence of God. God is not only other and distant, but God, the Bible tells us, is also very much near. Not only did theologians speak of God's Transcendence, they also speak of God's imminence, the nearness of God. Some of you may feel like God is distant and cold. Some of you may not think about God much at all. I don't know. Some of you, if you think about God, you assume he's all transcendence, he's all out there, he's all unapproachable, in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes all the time. But I have something amazing to tell you all this morning. It's one of the most beautiful thoughts in the world. You can know God. You can have a personal relationship with your creator not only can you know god but in fact god made you to know and love him in fact the uh, c.s lewis sort of alludes to the fact that there's a god-shaped hole in our heart he's riffing on saint augustus who says we are restless until we find our rest in thee god made us to know and love him when we find ourselves dissatisfied with all that the world Could offer, again, Lewis tells us, perhaps it's because we were made for another world. Made for God. Made to know and love Him. And on top of all that, not only were you made to know and love God, He has made it possible. He has initiated the relationship through the gospel of His Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know this. Not only can you know God, but the truth is, knowing God is the opportunity of a lifetime there's nothing better for you to give your life to than to know God he has graciously given us so many good things in this life don't mishear me I, I don't think to know God means that we need to take orders or or go live a monastic lifestyle or something like that in fact I think the opposite is actually better to enjoy all the good gifts that God has given us but not at his expense it's on his tab but not at his expense We want to know and love God and nothing makes all the good gifts in this life better and sweeter than knowing the giver himself. He's graciously given us so many good things in this life, but there's not one better gift. There's nothing greater than knowing him. In fact, I would say one of the great gifts that the church can give the world is people. People that know and love God. People who have a deep, Abiding relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I fear in the Lord's church at large that we've lost some of our spirituality, some of our commitment to walking deeply with Jesus. We know how to say the right things, we know the right things, but the question becomes do we merely know about God or do we genuinely know God? Are there, as one author put it, well worn paths to God? in our lives is there a depth to our inner life that reflects the fact that we have been with god when moses came down from the mountain his face shone and it was a fading glory but the bible tells us that the glory that we have seen in the face of the lord jesus christ is an unfading glory my question is when people see us when they see our lives does it look like we've spent time with god i want to challenge you this morning I want to challenge you to give your life to knowing God through genuine spirituality. To to, to commit to being a person that genuinely knows God and walks with God through Jesus. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how to know God, how to walk closer with Jesus. But today, our focus is more on the why. And so I want to show you three points this morning on true spirituality and the beauty of knowing God. So we kick this series off three points this morning on true spirituality and what it means to know and love our God and Father. Here's the first point. True spirituality, genuine spirituality, is Christ-centered. Genuine spirituality is Christ-centered. That is, we, we cannot settle for a vague, generic, general, sort of spirituality. We must focus on a Christ-centered spirituality. Let me show you what the text says, beginning in verse 6, chapter 2. Among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Paul's contrasting here. He's making sure it's clear we're not going to use worldly wisdom. There is a wisdom that comes from God, though. It's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages our glory. Well, Paul, there are people in Corinth that are talking about a sort of hidden spiritual life, uh, sort of special knowledge that you need, and Paul says they're, they're not all wrong, they're just wrong on where it comes from. He, he keeps going. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of the gods, but God had decreed it before the ages for our glory. Nobody in this world, according to human knowledge, human wisdom, they didn't know it. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, okay, so Bear with me for just a moment. Let's stop for just a moment. Think about this. But before the ages began, God had decreed in his wisdom for our glory, that is, believers, for our glory, God had decreed something, a hidden and, whiz, a hidden, uh, and glorious knowledge, a, a wisdom God had decreed before the ages ever began. The world doesn't understand it. And if they had, what would have changed? That's what Paul's saying, right? If they had understood it, if this was able to be ascertained merely in the flesh, if the world was on to this already, what would have changed in human history? Paul makes it abundantly clear. He couldn't make it more clear. If they had understood this wisdom, if the rulers of this age had understood this wisdom, if this secret and hidden wisdom of God that had been decreed before the ages for our glory, if it had been understood, what would have changed? none of the rulers of this age understood this for if they had they would not have crucified the lord of glory that is all of the wisdom and knowledge of god paul tells us elsewhere are hidden in christ what is it that what is this wisdom that god decreed before the ages began it's that he would do All things in this world. He would redeem humanity through Christ. Now, interestingly enough, ironically, perhaps you might even say, it was through the crucifixion of the Lord of glory that God revealed this glorious truth. In other words, the rulers of this world, including Satan himself, undid their own pride in their misunderstanding, and they exposed their folly by crucifying the Lord of glory. But if they had seen as God sees, if they had had the wisdom that God provides, they would have looked like Anna the prophetess, and they would have rejoiced at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They would have leapt with joy like John the Baptist did in the womb of Elizabeth. They would have rejoiced in seeing this, and yet Paul, better than anyone, realized that it is God who must reveal the glory of Christ to you, because Paul... Paul persecuted the church of the Lord Jesus until God was pleased, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, to reveal His Son to Him in His glory. You see, those in this age who were ruling missed true spirituality. They missed what God was doing. They missed the center of all these things. The the center of true spirituality, the center of a true knowledge of God, the center of genuine religion They missed it when He was quite literally in front of their face. This is who He was. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying that genuine spirituality that comes from God, a a genuine spiritual knowledge of God must be centered on Christ. You miss the point when you miss Jesus Christ. He is the center of all of our religion. Uh, There's nothing easier or simpler than having a vague spirituality that is divorced from Christ. We can find people all over town, um, all over the world, who are dedicated to having a spiritual life, who are dedicated to seeking the divine, who, who are dedicated to connecting with something higher and greater, themselves it's built into our nature it's baked into who we are we pretend to be secular in in the west but at the end of the day you can see the way that spirituality pervades all that we do there are all these predictions that religion was going to disappear religion is evolving but it's not disappearing people are longing for spirituality but my friends we must introduce them to to genuine spirituality. And the only way to introduce people to genuine spirituality is to introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ. We miss God if we miss Jesus. Friends, we cannot be satisfied with talk about God. There are folks who would even almost probably say something about Jesus who talk about God all the time, but they don't understand the gospel, they don't preach the gospel, they preach morality. They preach going back to the way things were. They they preach maybe progressivism. (laughs) A a spiritual God's on the side of the oppressed. Maybe they they preach something like that. There are other people who say God's on the side of people who act right, and so we ought to act better. We cannot be satisfied with talk about God. We cannot be satisfied with good morals. We cannot be satisfied with spiritual thinking or spiritual talk. We are hopeless without Christ and Christ alone. And Jesus is presented to us in the Bible as the one who is crucified and raised from the dead. We must be gospel people. And if we are going to genuinely walk with God, we must have a gospel spirituality. Not only is this the only way we can know God, but why wouldn't we want the sweetest opportunity, the loveliest of circumstances? Have you ever been initiated into something? Um, I played football in middle school and high school. School's about to start. I think I think things have improved since my days, but being initiated into playing football was not always the easiest thing to go through. And I know some of y'all that are older than me, like my dad, for example, like to talk about how easy I had it when I became a footballer. you know, there are just some challenges you have to go through. Um, as you're initiated into things, there are other circumstances where you find yourself initiated into things Isn't it an amazing thing to think that we are alienated from God in our natural state? We are rebels against God, and yet there could be nothing sweeter than our initiation into the life of God. There could be nothing sweeter than our welcome into the family of God, for it is the deliverance of us from our sins and is the welcoming of us into the arms of a loving Christ. To know God is to love Jesus, is to know Jesus. Brothers and sisters, why wouldn't we want to? Notice what Paul says when he talks about this, what no eye has seen, this, hit, this wisdom is hidden, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined. We can't even imagine how beautiful it would be to know Jesus, what God has prepared for those who love Him. Why would we not want these loveliest of circumstances as we're introduced to the God who loves us through His Son, Jesus Christ? Brothers and sisters, commit your lives to knowing God through Christ. This is the only way He can truly be known. It's the only way we'll truly be satisfied. To find our heart's deepest longings satisfied. Second of all, second point is this. Not only is true spirituality Christ-centered, but second of all, true spirituality is Spirit-driven. True spirituality is Spirit-driven. You didn't think I would talk about spirituality without talking about the Holy Spirit, did you? Thankfully, uh, we sang about the Holy Spirit so often today. I've alluded to this already, but it's, it bears repeating. We do live in a world that's obsessed with spirituality. And, and I've noticed something that happens among people. Young people, you, you guys may notice this in the years to come and maybe you've seen it already. Um, people become obsessed with spirituality and they begin to think that Christianity is boring. This that whole hum old hat stuff. That's what your mom and dad and your grandparents believed, and of course that's what your youth pastor says he has to, gets paid to, but uh and I mean, I've met your pastor, uh who believe, who cares anything about what he says. I mean, so uh that stuff's old hat, there's there's something more exotic to be found. Something different and better, something deeper. Something better than what Christianity has to offer you. We we see this happening all the time. But I want you to know something, my friends. There's nothing to be gotten from God. There's nothing to be gotten spiritually. There's nothing divine that's out there that you do not get by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing. There's nothing boring about it. Notice what the Bible says. Listen to this. Verses 10 and 11 of chapter 2. These things... These things that no eye has seen, that no ear has heard, that the heart of man cannot even imagine, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. You have been perplexed by what's, what in the world's going on in somebody's head? I have. What is going on there? I don't understand this person. I don't understand what they're thinking. I don't understand where they're going. And sometimes you're thinking that while you're looking in the mirror. What is wrong with this person? Who even are they? What's even going on in there? Isn't it amazing to consider that God knows God perfectly? That's what Paul's saying. Who, who understands you but You. <laughs> And you don't even understand you perfectly, but but your most inner thoughts are ascertained by the inner man, by your spirit, right? In the same way, the most deep and inner thoughts of God are known by His Spirit, and yet they are known... Perfectly, God knows God perfectly. And so there's nothing about God that's being sequestered off from you. If you are a Christian, you have received, you have been indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. As we sang and prayed earlier, even when you can't pray, God Himself prays on your behalf. The Spirit Himself will speak to the Father saying what you don't understand. You uh, recognize then there's nothing about God or who God is that's sequestered off from you if you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows everything there is to know about whatever there is that's divine in the entire cosmos. There's nothing more exciting. There's nothing more exotic. Brothers and sisters, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. Do you believe that there will ever be a moment when you finally get to the bottom? of the well of beauty and glory and wonder that is the person of God? Never, never. But the Spirit's there already. Deep calls to deep, my friends. And we see here the way that nothing in God is off limits for the Spirit, for the Spirit is God. Therefore, we don't think according to the world, but according to the Spirit. Don't be confused about what the Spirit is up to, what He's doing, and... Don't be confused about what true spirituality consists of. So often when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we think it's simply talk, we're simply talking about, the Bible's talking about ecstatic experiences or emotional highs. And that's not to say there's never a moment for those in Christianity, but I want you to notice what Paul says the Spirit's doing. Look with me in verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand that we might understand the things freely given us by God. The Spirit doesn't bypass our minds. He's not uh, concerned exclusively about our emotional life. He's, he's not uh, concerned I- exclusively about our behavior. He wants our minds to be transformed. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit transforms our minds, and that's the way we begin to bear fruit for God in our hearts and lives. Genuine spirituality is not a bypassing of the mind. It's an engagement of the mind. It's for our understanding. Paul goes on to sharpen this thought in verse 13. We impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but what does the Holy Spirit do? He teaches us. It's taught by the Spirit. We interpret spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. In other words, the, the, the realm of the Spirit is understanding, words, teaching, interpreting. These are all appeals to the mind. The Holy Spirit's at work to transform our minds by the power of the Word. So don't for a moment think that spirituality or walking in the Spirit is about bypassing the mind. It's about more than just the mind. But brothers and sisters, you cannot bypass the mind if you want to bear fruit in the body. If you want to have your soul formed into the image of Christ, our minds must be transformed as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12. That's what the Spirit does. That's what the Spirit does. We know God through the Son. We know God by the Spirit. And finally, true spirituality is a gracious gift. True spirituality is a gracious gift. The natural person, verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually But then verse 15, The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Do you see this contrast? There's the natural person. They don't accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to Him. He's not able to stand them as they are spiritually discerned. But then there's the spiritual person who judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Paul gives a further description of the spiritual person. Who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him? In other words, if you have the Holy Spirit, what is he saying? We have the mind of Christ. We're not judged by anyone because we're already judged by God. And who can judge God? God's judgment is final. Now, do you see this contrast between a natural person and a spiritual person? There's two totally different worlds, two totally different types of thinking. There's a great difference between someone who thinks naturally or carnally or in the flesh and someone who thinks in the Spirit. But my friends, to go from being a natural person, that's what you are by birth, to a spiritual person, you must be born again. You must repent of your sins and turn to God in faith and put trust and faith in Jesus and be saved by Christ. You have to have your heart transformed. True spirituality is a free and gracious gift of God. To go from being a natural person to a spiritual person, you must receive the Holy Spirit. And the only way to receive the Holy Spirit, the only way to do that is by faith, by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only way we can truly know God. This is an act of God. It's something God must do. He does it through the gospel of His Son, Jesus Christ. You sense the overwhelming grace in this? this what an amazing opportunity this is, just the gratuity of God. You know, God is under no obligation to be known. <laughs> you consider this for a moment? I mean, God could have made us and disappeared. He's under no obligation to be known, to reveal himself. He could have left no clues in the universe as to his existence whatsoever. And yet, what has God done? He has revealed himself to us. Do you see the grace in this? On top of that, we are sinners. And God has every right to reject and punish us for our sins. And yet He made a way for us to know Him through the Gospel. God has forgiven us and saved us and adopted us into His very own family. He has invited us to know Him as our Father. Do you see the grace in the fact that we were once spiritually dead rebels? And God was under no obligation to redeem us. But now, not only have we been redeemed, we now have the Holy Spirit. We have gone from having a natural mind to being spiritually minded. In fact, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. We know what needs to be known. This mystery of the universe has been revealed to us through the mind of the Lord Jesus. We're no longer judged by the world. We're no longer under the world's judgment. We are judged by God alone and God has spoken already through the cross and the resurrection of His Son. Do you see what a gracious gift it is to be invited to know and to love God? Do you see what a gracious gift it is to be known by God? To be loved by God? Brothers and sisters, I invite you to the opportunity of a lifetime opportunity of a lifetime. Nothing can better capture your attention. Nothing can better occupy your time. Nothing can better warrant your dedication than knowing and loving the great God whom we call Father. There's nothing more important. Will you give your life to it? Knowing God is not only the opportunity of this life, it's even more glorious than that no eye has seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him knowing God is not only the opportunity of this life but it's also the opportunity of the life to come I want to offer an invitation this morning if you've never put your trust and faith in Jesus today for the first time I invite you to transition From the natural mind to the spiritual mind. From an unbeliever to a believer. All all you must do. It's a free gift of God. It's by His grace alone. All you must do is turn from your sins in repentance. Turn from your sins in repentance. Turn to God in faith through Jesus. Trust Jesus instead of your own self and your own sins. And you will be saved. So the Bible teaches, and I believe it with all my heart, you can know Jesus today. If you need someone to talk to, I'll be available here during this invitation. Second of all, you may be a believer, and you may say, Pastor, I, I really need to, to make a fresh commitment to walking with God, to knowing God. You can do it right where you are. If you need someone to talk to, pray with you, you come on down front and talk to me, or this altar is open if symbolically you'd like to place yourself there before the Lord today. Finally, you may be looking for a church home. I would love to talk to you this morning about what it means to be a member here at First Baptist Church of Gadsden. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together.